Welcome to Shine KC. I'm your host, Tina Johnson, published author, small business entrepreneur, and domestic violence survivor. As I was preparing for Wednesday podcasting day, which is my favorite day of the week, I thought that I would share some of my story from my memoir, Goodbye to Shame, Removing the Mask, that was published in 2012. Chapter 12, Waking to Reality. I don't believe that domestic violence victims are asleep or not aware of the situation that they are in. Most of them do become very well aware. This is just my personal account of when I was waking up to the reality of the severity of the situation that I was in and I knew that I needed to get out of that situation. A few months rolled by and my husband started to act very strange and distant. It's almost like I was living with someone I'd never met before and just an interjection here, I felt that way and we had been married for over nine and a half years. He set up a new phone system that announced and recorded every call I made. This program was logged on the computer. Every number I dialed plus the numbers from incoming calls. A program on our computer copied and filed every word I typed or tried to email. I was basically being stalked in my own home. There was no room for error for me. The nightly questions of the day's events were brutal, in-my-face kind of drilling. I cringed every time the phone rang. I knew he would want to know my every last detail. Questions would come quickly drilled at me. What did she want? Who was this number from? Why did you call them? Were you talking about how bad I am or how I mistreated you? I didn't talk about my husband or dishonor him publicly, ever. This book that I wrote will actually be a shock to those who were close to me because I wasn't much of a detail sharer. You have to remember, I was full of shame. I walked in the bathroom one afternoon and just stopped to stare. The problem was, I didn't know who was looking back at me. I was shocked at my reflection. I had to touch my own face to make sure it was me. My hair, my skin were dry. My eyes were dull and they just didn't have any life left in them. Even my happy girl mask was starting to fail me. My heart felt heavy and hollow. I just dropped to a heap on the floor and I cried and I cried out to God. I know God never left me, but I just wondered how long this trial would go on. I knew I couldn't defend myself anymore. I could barely shield my kids any longer. Within my Christian circle of friends, I felt very alone. I thought no one would believe my crazy story, even if I shared it. I also feared the consequences if I did. I knew God would show up for me. I just didn't know when. I felt like it was never going to end. As things got worse at home, others started to notice my hiding it days were getting harder. More and more people started to see the downcast look I carried. 
I would sing a hymn quietly at church, silently cry to myself. Not many tears dropped out of my eyes, but there were times where the lump in my throat was so hard to swallow, I just couldn't control it and an actual tear would come. Once this big tear rolled down my cheek just as it was time to greet one another with a handshake at church. What timing! I tried to reach for a tissue when my friend's husband came right up to me. He stuck his hand out and looked at me with great compassion. Are you okay? He said. Still covering up my life, I said that I was fine. After the Sunday evening service was over, I was walking down the hall. My pastor came right up behind me and whispered for me to call him. I could sense the worry in his voice. I wanted to confide in him, but I knew if I call him, my husband would be furious. While my husband was getting ready for work one morning, he called me into the bathroom. When he called, I ran to see what he needed, and he said he wanted to tell me something about God. Okay, I said. I was not sure where this was going. He went on to say that God really didn't love him. I stopped him and I told him that he was wrong about that. Those words came out with fear and trembling, but he shook his head and then he went on. And I'll never forget what he said to me that day. Quote, God disciplines those he loves, but I have gotten away with everything. Then he stopped, looked coldly into my eyes and continued, everything but murder. Unquote. Then he slowly and quietly looked away from me as if to dismiss me. I felt great panic overwhelm my body as I left the room. Things started coming together in my mind. Just the day before, he had each of us individually line up against a plain wall and he took a head snapshot of us. He also had me take a snapshot of him with a sort of smirky look on his face. I knew better than to question what he wanted these photos for or what he was up to. I just did it because I was told. This is what happens when you're codependent and at the time I felt like I was just existing. After he left for work, I did call my pastor and share what had happened with him that morning. I wanted somebody to know just in case something happened. This event was a great eye opener to him. But he didn't tell me what to do. I wasn't ready to leave my home. Where would I go? I also feared what people would think who didn't fully know or understand my situation. Somehow, miraculously, my husband missed the call I made to my pastor. It never showed up on his computer screen. I was prepared for the worst, but thankfully the worst did not happen that night. I knew my prayers of protection were being answered. A few days passed and I was asked to go out to dinner after evening service with a group of friends. I had done this several times before, but this time I didn't have any money or any way to get any, but they insisted they would pay. Being a people pleaser, I timidly agreed to go. Families from church were gathered around one big table. We were having a great time and conversation, I started to feel relaxed. After we ordered off the menu, suddenly my husband called. I answered the phone and he started screaming in the phone. 
For some reason, he was furious that I was taking so much time to get home from church. Is dinner with them more important than being with me, he screamed. So I gathered up the kids, contacted the waitress, and canceled our dinner and left in a hurry. This was an eye-opener to my friends because we had gone out together many times before. I drove home as quickly as possible to find my husband as drunk as he could be. Drunk? We didn't drink, and we hadn't through our whole marriage. We never even kept alcohol in the house. I thought to myself, if he acts this way sober, I can't imagine what he's going to do. Drunk. Then I'm dead for sure. I started waking up to reality. And quick. Hid the phone in a pile of laundry and then acted like I had to do laundry to go downstairs to secretly call my friend's husband. I thought my husband was too drunk to check the computer until the morning. Surely he would pass out soon. I told of the recent events and started to open up. My friend's husband wanted to come get me and the children, but I said no, not while he's drunk. I did not want any violence. I found out later that my friend's husband called my pastor right away. My pastor told him that no one could make me leave, that I had to make the move myself. So many people started praying that same prayer of protection for me and the children that I started praying several months earlier with my small Bible study group. Scared to go to bed, I went ahead and put the kids in bed and acted like I was going to bed myself. My husband passed out on the couch and was sleeping hard. I just lay in bed all night with one eye open, worried that he would wake up. As soon as I saw daylight in the window, I got up and I very quietly called my pastor from underneath my bed. In a whisper, I told him, I fear for my life and for the lives of my children. He asked me one question right away, Tina, why are you staying? I said that it boiled down to security and he shared that my security lies with God, not my husband, and that was not a good enough reason to stay. I told him I had to have some time to think about it and to pray, and I hung the phone up. But I did not have a lot of time because I knew my husband would wake up soon. I cried out to God to guide me. I was jobless, homeschooling the kids, had no money, and didn't have an ounce of confidence left in myself. I prayed, God, please protect your child. I'm so scared. I'm scared for my children and for the safety of anyone who would come to help us. I need to know from you, God, if I can leave. And I want you to show me in your word. I need to know that you will still love me if I go. Just a few moments after crying out to God in this way, I opened my Bible and it jumped right to the verse. The violence of the wicked will drag them away for they refuse to do what is right. But the way of the guilty is devious, but the conduct of the innocent is upright. And that I found in Proverbs 21, verse seven and eight, the NIV version. I felt that God was trying to tell me, get out of the way. I have got to deal with this man and I want you and your children protected. Go child and let me be God. Your conduct is innocent and upright go. So I rushed back under the bed and quietly called my pastor. I quickly said, come get us now. He feared something had happened since the last call, but I assured him God told me that the time is now. He made calls and contacted people who could get to us in the quickest possible way. I just prayed to God and asked him 
if we could be home by Christmas. For some reason, I felt the need to pray for a specific time that I could come back to my house. My husband woke up to find us gone. This sent him into a tailspin of emotions. I went back to the house, and before I knew it, the six-foot, 225-pound man came charging at me from the dark hallway in a rage. By this time in life, I was about a 100 pounds soaking wet. I would not have stood a chance against him. But in God's perfect pr protection, an off-duty police officer friend of mine and my friend's husband came with me. They flipped on the light and they put their hands out. My husband stopped in his tracks when he saw I was not alone. I suddenly figured out that bullies are really cowards. Still scared though, I ran and grabbed as much stuff as I could just to get out of there. This was at the end of October in the year 2000. I think if there's anything that I would want somebody to take away from this chapter in my book is you can never tell an abusive victim when it's time to leave. They do have to make that choice as hard as it is to let them make that choice, but they know what they're living in and what they're living with. And so whether it's God guiding them like he did me, or whether it's their own um, sense of knowing when it's time to go, they have to make that decision. You need to just love them through this hard decision making. Also, if you are a domestic violence victim who left the situation, my advice to you would don't meet your abuser alone ever. Either have somebody with you or um, meet them at a public place, whatever you feel comfortable with, but not in a secluded private area. It is my heart's cry to continue to share my story in bits and in pieces and to continue to educate on domestic violence. Bye-bye for now.